Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I've been really stirred over the last little while. And I really feel like that this is a word that God's been really putting on my heart to bring to us as a church. Um, so the word or the, the title of my message is Close or Committed. Close or Committed. And I want to read just first from the Great Commission. And this is um, the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he went up into heaven. And you know, when you say something to someone that you know you're saying goodbye to, you say something to them just before they go, it's something that you want them to remember. Yeah, so if you're sending your kids off on a play date or if you're sending your kids off to the grandparents, it's like, see you later, love you, be good. Or see you later, love you, make sure you help with your brothers and sisters. That's the last thing you want them to remember before they go, yeah? So this is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus said, the last thing he said, which is valuable because he wants us to remember it. And he said to them in Mark 16, verse 15 to 19, Go into all of the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In um, Matthew, it says, go and make disciples in all the world. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken these things to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Hey, I want to tell you that Jesus doesn't tell us to go and make followers of him because he's insecure. He doesn't want us to go and make disciples because he's an insecure God. He wants us to make disciples and go and preach his good news because he knows the brokenness of mankind's heart. He knows the hurt. He knows the pain that's going on in mankind. And he also knows that the only way, the only cure for mankind's brokenness is a relationship with the Father. And the only way to get relationship with the Father is through him. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And just like Jesus, we are not an insecure church. We don't want to be big for the sake of being big or for looking good. Yeah, it's not about looking good. We want to be big because we want people to be rescued from the life of pain, come in here and experience his love, his hope and his life. That's why we want to be big because we want more people experiencing Jesus. You know, I want to encourage you, if God has placed you here and if this is your church home, then that means he wants you to get about doing what he's called you to do. He, want, he doesn't want you just watching. He doesn't want you just close to what he's doing here or feeling the benefits of what he's doing here. He wants you to be committed to what he's doing here. If he's placed you here, it means that in his purposeful planting, that this is actually the best place and the most fulfilled life that you could ever have. It doesn't matter what lifestyle or what, um, what looks tempting to you, yeah, what other places look tempting to you, this is where if you choose to commit, if you choose to get busy about doing what he's doing here, this is where your life will be most fulfilled. And so if God has planted us here, we need to take hold of the vision. We need to take hold of the mandate of this church. And the mandate of this church is the Great Commission. 
the Great Commission, go and make disciples. We are a soul-winning church. That is who we always have been. It's what, who we always are going to be. And he didn't just say, he didn't just say to the extroverts or the sanguines. He didn't just say to the starting point team. He didn't just say to the pastors and leaders. He said to all of us, all believers, go and make disciples. Go and preach the word. And so I want to ask you, are you close to the cause or are you committed to the cause? Are you close to Jesus or, or committed to him? Are you close to the commission or are you committed to the commission? And how committed are you to outworking the great commission in your life? You know, for so long I was, um, you know, busy building God's house and I had this thinking that, you know what, I'm on roster. I'm even leading on a roster. You know, I'm set. I'm building God's house. And that's part of it. Serving is part of it. That's a key part of it. I said in the last service, if you're not serving, get serving. Come and speak to Pastor Liam because we need you. We need your help. But it's not all of what building God's house is. Actually, building God's house is adding people to his house, bringing people into his love, bringing people into his house, and then journeying with them and, and encouraging them as they walk their faith out in Jesus. That's what it is. And, you know, for years, I didn't do it. For years, I was like, you know what? I tried to invite people to church and I'd failed like miserably, like really badly. Like I'd been so awkward in, in, in inviting them to church that they were like, yeah, nah, I'm good, thanks. Or I'd invited them and, um, you know, they just would never come. They'd be like, yeah, I'll be there. But then there was excuse after excuse after excuse and they never came. So I just kind of gave up. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick to what I know and what I know is serving. So I'm just going to do that. Forget inviting. You know, and whenever people were preaching on the Great Commission, I'd be like, la, 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 la. Didn't want to hear it. Whenever I read it in the Bible, I skimmed over it because I'm just, I'm not good at that. I'm not doing that. You know, for the first 11 years, I barely invited anyone to church. I was close to the commission, but not committed to the commission. This is the same place I had a drink last time. Feel free to drink. I'm like, this is my time. Anyway, Judas is a great example of someone who is close to, the, close to Jesus, but not committed. So let's read in Matthew 26, verse 14 to 16. Then one of the 12, he's talking about Judas, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him, Jesus, over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them. And then we're going to jump down to verse 47 and 49 to 49. While he was still speaking, while, while Jesus was still speaking, he was in the garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> Gets me every time. Gethsemane. Gets, get, you get it. Um, Judas, um, one of the 12, arrived with him. And uh, with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer, Judas, had arranged a signal with them. The one that I kiss is the man to arrest, is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. So Judas Iscariot was one of the 12 disciples. And so the disciples were the people that God chose to bring right in close to Jesus, to be a part of the ministry, to be a part of spreading the gospel um, across the land. He had traveled with Jesus. He watched Jesus. He ate with him. He, um, you know, he was part of it. He'd watched him do miracle after miracle in the people around them. 
Yet in this scripture, we see that in the end, even though Judas had walked so closely with him, he betrayed him. Judas was close to Jesus, but not committed to him. And I want to tell you a couple of things that I've learned about the difference between close to Jesus as opposed to being committed to Jesus. Because it's not enough just to be familiar. It's not enough just to be close. God's wanting us to be committed to him. And when we say commitment, the, the, the meaning of commitment is to be loyal, to be dedicated, to be devoted or pledge your allegiance, to be faithful and a responsibility. That's what commitment means. So here's the first thing I've learned. When you're close to Jesus, it's still about you. When you're committed to Jesus, your life becomes less about you and more about others. So Judas was called by Jesus. He was blessed by him. He was, he was changed by him. But Judas was still all about him. It was still all about what he was getting from it. Yeah? And when you're close to the cause, when you're close to Jesus, it's all about what he's doing in you. Yeah? The breakthrough that he's giving you, the blessing he's giving you, how he's using you. You come to church, you get refreshed, you get filled up, you know, you, you serve your roster, tick, you go home, you go on with your life. But when you are committed to the cause, yes, you're blessed, but it's not actually about that. It's, it's about actually your, your life and your focus becomes about other people. You know, bringing others, other people to Jesus, spending time with them, opening your life to them, you know, loving on them with no strings attached, helping them see Jesus in you, and then walking with them as they, you know, discover who Jesus is for themselves. You know, we come to church not just to be filled up or watch but we come to church to give and be a blessing and encourage and build. We take ownership. We don't go to connect just to get our biblical teaching fixed for the week. We go to connect to be an encouragement, to be a blessing, to build. It's very different. The second thing is, is when you're committed, your feelings don't dictate your decisions. God, God's word does. Judas was driven by his feelings. You know, when we're committed, we honour and obey God even in the tough times, in the highlands, the lowlands, on the mountains, in the valleys. We try to, we don't do it perfectly all the time. I don't, at least, but I do my best, yeah? When we're committed, we, we, we try and do our best to honour him all the time. You know, your commitment to Jesus helps you stick with him. Judas was very easily turned away from Jesus and betrayed him. You know, when you're not committed, it's easy to walk away from him. All it takes is one better option, you know, a feeling, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, and we're off. And actually, some commentaries say that because Judas was originally John the Baptist's disciple, Judas was really hurt and offended that Jesus hadn't actually rescued John the Baptist when he got killed. And so because of that seed of offence, because of that hurt that he still was holding on to, that's why he found it so easy to then go and betray Jesus. And so the lesson from Judas in that is that we need to forgive. Don't let that, you know, if you've got an offence, if you've got something that you are hurting, um, don't hold on to it anymore. We need to hand it over to Jesus, forgive, because if you don't, that offence will take you out. You know, the, the next thing is when you're close to Jesus, it's easy to criticise him and it's easy to criticise his house. But when you're committed to him, you don't waste your time criticising. You just get busy building and helping and making it better. When you're close to Jesus, his commission comes second to your comfort. But when you're committed to Jesus, your comfort comes second to the commission. Wow. 
I want to share something that I've recently had to navigate, and I'm sure I am not the only one in here. But it's been coming out of COVID, right? Before COVID, I was like, you know what? I'm committed. I'm in. Like, God, use me. Help me to reach the people. I'm here. I'm here to build your church. And then COVID hit. And I was like, oh, I like not seeing anyone. Anyone else? The 8 a.m. were either more honest or just more like me. Anyone else that was like, no? Right, just me. Okay. But then COVID finished. And I was like, hang on, I really liked that non-commitment living. I really liked the responsibility to do nothing. You know, the freedom to stay in my dressing gown all day. And I literally, my neighbours here, you can, you can, I literally was in my my dressing gown all day, wasn't I? Yeah, I was. I think I'm known as this on my street as like the person who wears the, the pink dressing gown. And if I wasn't in my pink dressing gown, I was in Ross's clothes, which were a bit bigger than mine. And I was saying before, the first time when we came out of COVID and I had to put tight pants on again was a very confronting day. It was very challenging. But I loved it. And I loved that COVID gave me the freedom to do that. And so then, here is what I think has happened and is still happening. God didn't send COVID, but he has used COVID to stir the harvest fields. He's used COVID to stir up the hearts of the people in our community, the lost. You know, the people that were dead against Jesus. The people were like, I don't need him. I don't believe in him. COVID has now been used by God to stir them up. And actually, now they're searching. Now they're looking for purpose in their life. God has stirred them up, ready for us to bring them home. But at the same time, because of COVID, a lot of us are questioning our commitments. We're questioning our schedule. We're questioning our busyness. You know, and coming out of COVID, we're choosing to try and slow our life down, which is not a bad thing. You know, I think a lot of us were busy for the sake of being busy. And when you think about it, there are a lot of things that we didn't have to be doing that we were doing. But here's what's not healthy. And this is what I had to navigate in myself, was that I was so, um, just the thought It was so tempting to actually put down my commitment towards God's house and toward Jesus. I I was so tempted to put down the commission, you know, that he'd, he'd, he'd put so clearly in front of us. And so at the same time that God has been stirring the lost to come home, the enemy was stirring us and me included to sit down. You know, Matthew 9 verse 37, Jesus says, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. I want to encourage us, this is not the time to sit down. This is not the time to put down our commitment to Jesus or to his commission. Now is the time to get fired up, get excited and actually go into our world and look for the people that God has put in our, in our path and bring them to him. God has stirred up the harvest fields. You know, I used to have a really boxed in view of what the Great Commission looked like. To me, I thought that the Great Commission was standing on street corners telling people that Jesus loved them or standing there just giving random people walking past an invitation to church, which it can be and that works for some people. But to me, it just freaked me out. And so I completely stepped back and pulled myself out of even giving it a go. And then I read in Matthew 5 verse 13 to 16 in the Message Bible. And I, and I want to encourage you, I'm, not, I'm just going to paraphrase it. I encourage you to go home and read it. Um, and really let God just talk to you in it because it's powerful. But I'm just going to take some key things out of it. All right, and it says here, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. Here's another way to put it. 
You're here to be the light, bringing out the God colours in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Listen to this. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And I just want to share some of the key things that God has taught me from the first time that I read that until now about engaging in and actually staying committed to the Great Commission. The first thing is, we need to, you need to be you, you need to be real, and you need to allow God's flavours and God's colours to flow out of you. We've got to get comfortable being ourselves. Don't compare yourself to the person next to you. God has made you you for a reason. Yeah, he hasn't made you like the person next to you because there are so many different people out there. We need different people to go and reach them, to go and connect with them. Yeah, he doesn't want us to be um, putting it all on and, and putting it on that we're perfect because when we put on that we've got it all together, then the people out there can't relate to that. Yeah, they don't have perfect lives. They can't relate to that. And so before they even give it a go, before they even give Jesus a go, they've thrown him out the bin because they go, you know what, all those Jesus people, they've just got it all together and I just cannot get there. So there's no point even trying. The other thing that um, when we put on perfection, you know, is that we actually hide Jesus from them. We need to be okay with our mess. We need to be okay with not having it all together because when we hide our mess from people, we actually hide Jesus from them too. It's in our mess that Jesus can be seen. You know, we don't have to be anywhere than where we are in our journey. God isn't asking us to be more together, be less dysfunctional, be more mature. He's just asking us to be who we are, where we are and let him be seen. And you may be like, you know what, that's great for you to say, but I'm really awkward. Hmm. I'm really awkward too. Like I'm really awkward. I have awkward moments all the time and I'd love to say that my awkward moments get less and less, but they don't. I was saying in the last service, like the other week, I was um, at the front door and I was holding onto my son's hand and as I'm holding his hand, he's walking backwards. So I'm talking to someone walking backwards like this. As I turn around, there's a man in my face here and I screamed in his face, literally screamed, like, ah! And everyone at the front door literally jumped. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You gave me a fright. And he's like, well, how do you think I feel? And he's walked off. And I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? I was scared that Pastor Spencer was going to get me in trouble because I, you know, yelled at someone as they walked into church. But I, I followed after him and I gave him my coffee and all was well. It was very funny. But it turned out that Chase had been backing into his, this region and so he'd been like doing this so that Chase didn't get him. And that's why his face was like so in my face. It was so awkward. And then another time, I, oh, this was last week as well, huh? But um, another time I was chatting with my friends and we're chatting here and, um, and someone else has come into the mix. And so I've gone to say, hey, how are you? And I've gone to give them a hug. And as I've given them a hug, they've gone straight past me to the person over there to give them a hug. And I'm like, oh, you're so awkward, like all the time. It, I'm not like, I'm just saying like, it's okay to be awkward. It's okay that I'd love to say that I always walk away with my dignity intact. I don't. But I just got to laugh it off and just go, oh, that was funny. Don't let it shut you down. Yeah. 
The second thing is be generous and be open with your life. I love that when it says have open house. By opening up to others, you'll prompt them to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. This is it. Like this is the commission. This is how we lead people to Jesus. Be generous with our lives. Be generous with our relationships. Be generous with our encouragement, you know, with our time. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Being generous looks like taking the focus off yourself and your agenda and actually looking up and seeing who's around you and actually being generous with your attention. You know, rather than going to the shops or going to the kids' activities and just having your head down doing your thing, look up. Look around you, smile and actually be willing and be generous with your attention to actually let the conversation, say hi to people as they go past, but then let the conversation go beyond just hi and actually ask them, how's your day going? Are you local? Are you from here? Do you have family here? And I just started doing this. When I read this and I was like, okay, be generous, be open, I can do that. So when I go to the shops, I just be open and I just go and start and I just, I don't go and like weirdly go and like get people's eye contacts like this but if people are like looking around I'll just say hi and you know when I'm standing in lines I'll say hi and then I can very quickly by asking a couple of questions about them and their life and their day I know if they've moved here and they don't have family here I know if they're going through a tough time and it's very easy to go hey you know when I go to a great church in Joondalup I really love it it's helped me so much you'd be so welcome to come or I can connect them with you know the play groups that we've got I can connect them with the young adult hangs with a connect there's so many things that if we choose to be intentionally generous and look up that we can actually bring people into I, it doesn't always go well one time um I I was I just needed a bit of time to myself Ross took the kids so I went and had a coffee in Jamaica Blue here and um I was like this is me okay I just want my time and I was just wanting to you know, just have time being selfish. And God put someone, there was this older man here and he was beautiful. And he was just sitting by himself and he was sitting next to me on the table next to me and God just really was like, oh, like my heart just, I don't know. I was just like, oh, okay. And I really felt that my heart just kind of broke a little bit for him. Anyway, so in the non-awkwardness way that I could, we were just, I was just looking around and then he looked at me and I said, hey, how are you? He's like, yeah, I'm good. Anyway, he just started talking and I started asking questions. Anyway, so it turns out his wife had passed away and he was lonely and he came there most days to just get out of the house. He lives by himself. And anyway, so before long, I gave him my number. I said, hey, I go to this church in Joondalup. There's some great people there. If you ever wanted something to do, I think you'd really love it. Anyway, so I gave him my number. But then the conversation kept looping around. And the conversation kept going back to that same thing. And then I realised that, um, sadly, I think he was, he, he was suffering with dementia or with uh, amnesia or something like that. So I was like, okay. So I just chatted with him and, and then, you know, it was time for me to go. So I said goodbye and that was it. But then that day, that night, Ross and I had put the kids to bed and... Um, we were sitting in our TV room and I get this phone call from this number and I looked at, picked it up and I was like, hello, this is Amber speaking. He said, hello, Amber, I've just seen, this is so-and-so and I've just seen your, your number on my bedside table and I thought I'd just call you and I'm living, you know, I'm here by myself, I've got no one here and I just thought, would you like to come and have a drink with me? And, and I'm thinking, 
I'm like, oh, well, my four kids are in bed and I'm sitting here with my husband. And he's like, oh, okay, well, if you want to come another time, you and I can have a nice drink. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. If you want to come to church with me tomorrow, you'd be welcome. No, no, church is not my thing. Anyway, I was like, okay, have a great night. Put it down. Literally a minute later, the phone calls again. Hi, my name, you know, this is so-and-so. I've just seen, and the same conversation happened. And I realized, you know, I'd been trying to love him with Jesus' love, but he was trying to get me to come and have a drink with him. And I was like, oh, Jesus, what have I done? Sometimes it doesn't always go the way that I think that it should. Praise Jesus. You know, and do you know what? Sometimes I go into one. Sometimes I'm having a rough day. And it is generally around that time of the month that I have a minor meltdown or a major meltdown about being overwhelmed with something that is going on in my life. And I, want, I go to the shops and God all the time puts someone in my face or in my path that gives me some perspective that they are going through something so much more worse than anything I've ever experienced. And it's just like God saying to me, come on, Amber, like you're okay, you're okay but there are people out here that are not okay. So I need you to pick yourself up, take your focus off yourself and go and start being a blessing. Hey, be encouraging, be generous with your encouragement, your invitation. And rather than talking about yourself all the time, not that we do that, but if we do, ask people about themselves, yeah? You know, when you come to church, it is about you, but it's not about you. You know, come ready to have open house. This is our spiritual home. So it's our responsibility to make people feel welcome and included. You know, when you have friends over for dinner, you don't just, you know, you, you, you welcome them in. You go to the door. You say, hi, how are you? Come on in. You walk with them. You introduce them to your family. You show them around. You sit with them. You invite them to sit down. Yeah, that's what we do. How weird would it be if we had people over, hey, how are you? Great to see you. And then we just went and sat and left them at the door and just sat down. I won't sit down because I'm wearing a skirt. But, and just sat down at the dining, ta dining table waiting for food to come. How weird would that be if we did that to people who came to our house? Now, this is our spiritual home. So it is our responsibility to not just come in the door, say hi, and come and sit down. It's our responsibility to go, right, Who's here that I can make feel welcome? Who's here that I can love on? How can I come and int introduce them to my friends? Get them a coffee. Come and say, hey, do you want to sit? Have you got seats with anyone? If not, come and join us. You know, we are the church. This is our spiritual family. This is what, it's just not Pastor Spencer's role to do that. This is all of us to do that. Yeah? I think I was laughing. I like introduce people to the same people like 20 times. Because I'd prefer people, the worst thing is coming into a room thinking that everyone else knows everyone, but you don't. Yeah, so I prefer, I introduced my, um, and my neighbour Debbie to like the same people like 10 times and it became a bit of a joke. But I prefer for um, people to know each other rather than go, oh, I don't know anyone here and just pull back. You know, if we want our church family to be generous and inclusive, we need to be that. Go to connect with the posture of being an encouragement and being a blessing, not just receiving. I want to encourage you, make margin to make an impact. Create space in your schedule to stop and be interruptible and be generous. Come to church early so you've got margin to say hi to people and bring them in. Yeah? 
Make margin to go and make disciples. That's what Jesus has asked us to do. Some of us are like, you know what? Our, our schedule's too busy. The kids are too busy. You know, I don't have any time for that. I want to encourage us that the opportunity, I get the, 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 the want to give our kids the most opportunities that, that they can have. I totally get that. But I also want to encourage us that all the opportunities that we could ever give our kids will never be as good as the opportunity that God has given them and will give them when they are committed to God's house. You know, we just need to keep checking our priorities. Keep checking where our focus is. Keep checking where our time is. And sometimes when our priority is going on to the other opportunities as opposed to being committed to God's house, we just need to do a little reshuffle. Ross and I have had to do many reshuffles. Sometimes you can drop some of the extracurricular stuff. Sometimes you can't. If you can't take things out of your schedule, then I just want to encourage you, make your schedule your mission field. Rather than just getting about your, your stuff and focusing on what you need to do, look up. When you're waiting for your kids to finish dancing, when you're on the train, when you're, whatever you're doing, if you can't take things out of it, I just want to encourage you, make it your mission field. God's put people there for you to look out and go, hey, just start, just start smiling and start saying hello and see what God does. I want to, uh, let's, next one. Don't get so caught up in trying to find your purpose that you forget that your purpose is all about um, helping people find Jesus. You know, if, you want to, if you're here, you've been placed by God, your calling and your purpose will be unwrapped as you are generous with others and as you help them unwrap their barriers toward, towards God. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, encourage one another and build one another up. It's not just connect leaders that are meant to do this. It's not just the starting point team that are meant to walk out new Christians' journeys. This is us as a church. This is the Great Commission. And what I love in Mark 16, as you go on, it says, when Jesus tells them to go and preach the gospel, um, in verse 20, it goes on to say, then they, they went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord was working with them and confirming the word um, through the accompanying signs. Jesus goes before us, guys. We're not doing this alone. He goes with us. And sometimes we fail. Sometimes we muck up. It's awkward. But don't let that stop you from, from stepping out. Yeah, don't pull yourself out of the commission. Don't sit down. Keep going because you know what? You might have been rejected yesterday. You might get rejected again today. I do all the time. But we just got to keep going. This is what God has called us to do. You know, just going back to the story of Judas in Acts 1, uh, verse 18 to 20, and it says, With the payment that he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. So graphic. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, and so they called that field, in their language, Alkadama. Alkadama. You know what it is. You can read it. I can't. That is field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may this place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it and may another take his place of leadership. That's intense, hey? You know, so because Judas was close to Jesus but not committed to Jesus, he ended, his life ended in desolation and with him throwing away his, his legacy. You know, however, the promises for those who choose to commit to Jesus 
The Word says that He will guide us, refresh us, sustain us, strengthen us, bless us. He will take our burdens. He will forgive you, cleanse you. He will make you a new creation. He will strengthen you. He will never put anything ill-fitting on you. You will not burn out. You will not burn out when you're doing what God has commissioned you to do. You will only burn out if you add to that all the other peripheral stuff. He will protect you and you will be raised in glory with Him. You know, we were singing before, we, are the, this, we need a move. We are the move. We are the move. It's not waiting and watching and praying for Him to move. We are the move. Galatians 5 verse 14 says, The whole word is summed up in one way. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. The other day, God gave me this vision, or this, not vision, it's very sounds very spiritual, this um, picture. And it was a picture and I'm sitting and I'm sitting in my neat little Christian life and my, you know, in my world and I, you know, and I'm watching, there's a conveyor belt going along in front of me. And on the conveyor belt is the people, like the world, right? Now I know where they're going. I know where they're going. They might not know where they're going, but we know where they're going, yeah? And I felt like God said to me, how much would you want people to fight for you if you were on that conveyor belt? How desperately would you want people to fight for you if you were on the conveyor belt going there? How much would, he, would, would I want? Because I know, I know the life before Jesus and I know the life with Jesus and I know where that's going. You know, the other day when Pastor Spencer was preaching and he shared his testimony and he said he got to the end and it just wrecked me because um, he said that he got to the place where it was either suicide or continue doing um, crack cocaine, being a crack cocaine addict. And that just wrecked me because at that point in his life, a man came in and was committed to the commission. So he came in and actually spoke and, and, and spoke to Pastor Spencer and gave him the truth of who Jesus is and shared the gospel. But how many people, what wrecked me is that how many people are at that point of suicide or crack cocaine addict, but no one's there to then tell them about Jesus. How many people have no option, but there's no one there committed to the commission and coming to them where they're at and bringing Jesus to them? We are the church. This is what we're called to do. You know, we're singing about it. We need a move. We need a move. We are the move. It is not just for the pastors. It's not just for starting point. It is for all of us. So I want to stir you up this morning. I want to stir you. Are you close to the, to the commission? Or are you committed to the commission? Because there is a world out there that is on a conveyor belt. We know where to, they don't. But if you're on that conveyor belt, what would you want them to do? And it's not hard. Jesus just says, be yourself, be real, be generous, open your life and let me flow through you and He will equip you. He will anoint you. You may be awkward. That's okay. That's real. We are called to do this. We are commissioned to do this. So church, I want to stir us up. Can we stand? Can we sing? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. 
And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.